Good morning, Northbridge. My name is Ray Brandon. Take the copy of scripture that, that you have with you and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. As you turn, um, just turn your, your audible attention to um, the reading of Psalm 149, and then I'll read the teaching text for us this morning. Psalm 149 says this, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praises in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be made glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nation and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute, them, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. And then our text for this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verses, four, uh, verses 6 through 16. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserve, deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you because of your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Before we jump into, uh, into the message this morning, just a couple of things. Um, next week, uh, we have, um, a, have a guest speaker, and, and the, the topic is, uh, we've just called it Thrive. And so we have um, a group of young people, they're um, in their 20s, um, and they have both testimony and word for you from God's word. And, and the topic has to do with what was it that caused them to thrive in their faith in those college years, those post-high school years? Um, and so what happened before, um, what, what happened during, and what from God's word caused their faith 
um, to thrive. It, it's a really important topic following what we're looking at this morning of disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. You're going to see a connection between what we talk about today and what is shared next week. Okay, so, um, so in, in essence, um, today, and I hope I'm, I'm not stealing any Caleb's thunder today, but um, essentially you're, gonna, you're probably going to hear a similar message but you're going to have, the, the benefit next week is you're going to have all of the experience, all of that life experience um, that will, um, if I can say, like fill out the text with examples from individuals' lives during that particular time. You know, and so this is important, not because that time of life is more important than any time of life. All seasons of life have unique challenges, but we can learn from all of them. Um, we can learn from all of them. We can help one another through those seasons of life, either because we've been through them and have done well, or we have learned from the school of hard knocks and we've learned wisdom from the scripture. Um, or we can, we can you know, be looking forward um, and we can be helping those that are walking, walking with us. So I know that, that you will benefit from that. A couple of things that are happening at Northbridge. I know Grace mentioned there's a number of announcements, and there's intro to Northbridge um, today. That meets at 1030 downstairs. So um, we'll meet in the intro classroom downstairs at 1030. Um, an important uh, part of church is prayer. In fact, um, an important part of leadership and the shaping of leaders is is praying and so we want to challenge especially our men to pray and so there's an individual um here at northbridge that's starting a new ministry it's just called 10 minutes of prayer it's one sunday a month at 10 30 from 10 30 to 10 40 in the prayer room where um, he's inviting men just to come in and pray for 10 minutes uh, so it's it's a way that uh, you we know that you pray in your small groups um, i love my small group on tuesdays and we spend time in prayer there, and I know you do in your small groups, and you do at home, but it's a way that uh, perhaps there can be some cross-pollination between men and leaders here in the, in the church by praying just simply for a brief amount of time. Um, we know that the Northbridge is um, going through, as everyone is, going through some, some really difficult times, um, just given the circumstances that, that we're in. Um, we've seen an uptick in the, the needs, the needs of individuals and, and families. And because of that, we are adding um, some pastoral counseling uh, to our availability. So um, Nick Kellogg, who count, does pastoral counseling for Cornerstone Christian Counseling, is making available several time slots during the week here at church uh, to counsel. So when Cody gets back and gets his feet on the ground, you'll see that in your response card. And um, you can take advantage of that. You know, I just read a statistic that in the state of Michigan alone, counseling for elementary school students is up 40% over last year. Um, so in, that indicates some of the pressure that's on individuals and families. And some of you are school teachers in here and you're shaking your heads. Yes, you know um, those pressures that are available. So the church, um, the church has a particular job and role and, um, that the Bible gives to the church. And we want to come alongside um, uh, individuals and families and help them continue in their, their journey. Along with that, it's something that we've wished that we could do for, for years, but have not been able to do that. On Sunday mornings, as we get into God's word, there are times when people want to respond. They need somebody to, to pray with them, or they need 
Um, they need some counseling. They need just to talk for a, a few minutes about what God is doing in their heart. And we've never had rooms available. Um, and now we do, we have space available. And so we are training up a number of couples um, to be that uh, prayer response and to do some brief counseling um, as we respond to the word of God. And so when that comes available, you'll hear me mention that, that if you'd like to talk to somebody about what God's doing in your heart through the word of God this morning, you can slip out to the prayer room and just have somebody to pray with you. And so we're thankful that, um, especially for, you know, we've heard Cody's name mentioned that um, we have uh, him and the things that he's done to help us facilitate ministry and be able to do those kinds of things. All right. Let's get into the text this morning. I'm excited to preach. This is a great passage. Um, it's immensely practical. Um, here in this text, uh, we, we, see, we see three things, three considerations um, in, this, in this particular text this morning. It's ha- the whole text is about how to train for godliness. Just look down in the passage. Notice a few things as you look at your, bi- your Bibles. Um, we'll, we'll get into to the beginning of, of the passage, but I want to hit on that third point because that's where we're going to spend the majority of time this morning is actually that third point of disciplining yourself for godliness. L- look, at, look at the passage. Um, the, the first is, is a warning, um, and, but verse 7 it says, rather, it's a contrast word, train yourself for godliness. Right? Train yourself for godliness. And, and uh, look at verse, um, verse 8. It's, it talks about bodily training being of some value. It's not of no value. It's of some value. But this godliness training is what? Valuable in every way. I hope that you leave this morning convinced of that fact, that you believe that godliness training, disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness does not have just a limited scope, but is valuable in everything. Right? We, we talk about how Christ impacts every area of our life. We tend as Western people to put that in a box. Religion on Sunday morning, no value outside of, of that. We tend to categorize it. But that's not what the Bible, the Bible is this holistic approach to all of life, that it's relevant. Here it's saying, uh, the scripture is telling us that, that godliness is of value, what? In every way, in every area of life. But there's some work to do, right? Verse 10, for this we toil and strive because we have our hope. We have our hope already set uh, on the living God. And then Paul instructs Timothy, Paul is writing this particular letter to, uh, to Timothy, and he says, command and teach these things, right? So the role of pastors and elders in the church is to command that we discipline ourselves for godliness. That's pretty strong. You think about that. But it's not just a command. It's command and teach. You can't just do one or the other. Those of you that are educators, you know this. Right? You just don't say, do your math. You have to show them how to do the math. In which case, if you're in my, <laughs> if you're in my house, it's like, do the math. I can't show you how to do the math. <laughs> I don't know. Help. Right? But you know, like, you have to know how to do this yourself in order to help other people do it. Command and teach. This is written to a pastor. Right? This, is, this has application to pastors. 
It also has application to all of us because this is, by its very nature, pastors are to command and teach this. Now, already, right, even as you read this, like, as American and Western people, what command, discipline, that word in the Greek for discipline, we get the word gymnasium from, command this and teach it? Oh, wait a minute. You know, that we, we press against that. You know, set out the options for me, please. That's what we want, but not command and teach, but that's what the scripture says. And then notice in verse 15, it says, practice these things. Practice these things. Um, I'm going I'm to put somebody on the spot. I don't normally do this, but I, he's, he's a strong young man. Hey, Hudson, how often do you practice the violin? <laughs> a lot. Mom and dad tell you to practice? Uh-huh. Practice. Probably every day, Hudson practices his violin. Go practice. Because what happens if you don't practice, Hudson? Yeah, you lose. Like, oh, he's telling you, practice these things. And then notice what he says. Immerse yourself in them so that what? All may see your progress. And then he, he tells Timothy this particular, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. This is a valuable practice for us. Keep a close watch. This is all about godliness. Remember, we talked about godliness being two things, and we'll get, we'll get to that. And then he says, persist in doing, persist in this. Why? So that you have a better life? Is that his goal? No, look, so that by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Yourself and, right, yourself and those around you. This is not a focus simply on Timothy. It's a focus on those that his life impacts. So here, let's, let's get down to it. So three things here. How to train for godliness. Three things. First, um, verse 6, we got to lay down the truth. Lay down the truth. If you put these things before your brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Right? There's just something to discipline training that we've got to keep in front of each other. Right? We've got to keep in front. We know if, you have, if you're, you're training your children, even right now, to, 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 to get something out of worship, right? because um, we've, we've talked about in, in the recent days, in conversations outside of this room, what is the role of the church? What's the role of the family? What's the role of the civil government? Each one of those governments are ordained by God. They come from God. They have responsibilities to God. They have particular responsibilities that they should not take away from the other. Although they are concentric, not concentric, overlapping. What are you, Venn diagram, right? Am I getting that right? Right? Yeah, Venn diagram. Um, they have overlapping areas they got to be careful that they don't trample on those other areas, right? So he's saying here, persist in these things. Keep these things before your brothers, and you will be a good servant of Jesus. There's certain things the church is called to do. All of them, all of these forms of government are supported by a, another form of government that God has ordained. And it's what we're talking about this morning. It's called self-government. It's called self-government. 
Right? That's why redemption is so very important. That's why I could, I could like jettison into a whole other topic from here. I'm holding myself in because we got a text in front of us that we have to teach. But listen, if we're not training ourselves for godliness, guess what begins to fall? Well, the family begins to fall usually first, and then the church, and then civil government, right? Because it is self-governance. It's, it's the work of God in, in your life, right? The transformation of a person's heart. We call that the gospel, the good news. And he's saying, look, lay this down for each other, and especially pastors. Keep the truth in front of people. Whether they like it or not, command and teach it. Whether they push back or not, command and teach. Now, it shouldn't be ugly or ornery or like, no, it ought to be gentle and patient. Like the teaching and the leadership ought to look like Jesus, right? So not a drill sergeant. That's not, that's not the image you should have in mind. But rather you should have in mind somebody who's training someone to win. Right? Training you to win, desiring that you cross the finish line, loving you well. And that's why pastors need to lay down the truth. Lay down the truth. If you, if you put these things before your brothers, you'll be a good servant of Jesus. So pray for your pastor, pray for your elders that they don't stop laying down the truth. Whether people pick it up or not, you know, that's. We can't do anything about that. I was reminded, and thank you for praying for me all, all this past week, that, um, that I am not the Savior, and you are not the Savior. We have one Savior, right? It's Jesus, and we point people to Jesus, but we don't save. Jesus saves. We're, we're to lay down the truth and persist on these things before our brothers and sisters, and that way we are a good servant of Christ Jesus. So we need to lay down the truth. Lay down the truth. Second, avoid the influence of unholy teaching. Um, it's, it says, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Right? So being trained in the words of faith. Right? So there is an assumption. Who was Timothy trained by? Who's Timothy trained by? He was trained by his mother and his grandmother. That's who he was trained by. And then we assumed that there were other Christians that were involved, and Paul was involved in a formal way in his training. But where did it start? It started with Lois and Eunice, but probably not Timothy's father. He probably was not a believer. We don't know, but he's not mentioned. So there's some assumptions that could be made. But his mother and his grandmother had that training. And, and so part of this is laying down the truth, but avoiding what? Avoiding the influence of unholy teaching. Being trained by the words of faith of the good doctrine that you have, fo have followed have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Right? There's certain things, and I'm not going to spend much time here, there's certain things that we need to have nothing to do with. They're just silliness. But we obviously here, Paul includes this because we're influenced by these things. We're influenced by this kind of thinking. The Bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
Romans 12 says we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're not, we're not to be conformed by those patterns, but rather we ought to think biblically about things. We ought to go to the word of God and say, well, you know what? This is what I want out of life, but what does God want for me? Right? We, we ought not to trust our heart, but we ought to trust the word of God to train our hearts. The Bible says that through training, what? God's going to train out certain desires that are sinful, and he's going to renew and give you what, what your heart actually desires. It's going to give you good things. And so here Paul is saying to Timothy, lay down the truth, avoid certain things, but be trained in the words of faith and good doctrine. And then finally here, the last point, really, if we could reduce this to one point, we could have this as a one point in the sermon, is discipline yourself for godliness. Now, we said godliness is what? Godliness is what you're doing here. It's central to our faith, but it's also it's the application of what you're learning here and the continued process of worship as you, as you walk through the week. That's godliness. It's faith and practice. Uh, <clears throat> our, our family is, uh, it's next week that, or the week after that, Lent begins, and uh, it's 40 days of preparation. It's a church tradition. It doesn't come out of the Bible, but it's a good tradition. It comes out of the principle of we prepare ourselves for the birth of Jesus. That's exciting. Looking forward to that, and we prepare ourselves to celebrate his death and resurrection. And so we're reading through a particular book. I would suggest a book to you. It's called The Practice of Godliness by Jerry Bridges. It's, it's not written like 40 days for the practice of godliness, but you could divide that down and say, we're going to practice godliness for 40 days. Listen to what Jerry Bridges says in the book, The Practice of Godliness. He says this, many people will profess faithfulness, but few demonstrate it. The virtue of faithfulness is often costly, and few people are willing to pay the price. But for the godly person, faithfulness is an absolutely essential quality of his character, regardless of what it might cost. And we've been talking a lot about joy. Chapter 9 of the practice of, of godliness is all about joy. And you think, like, a lot of times we think joy should just be something that happens. But we've been teaching that, no, joy is cultivated. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of this practice of godliness. Um, uh, Derek Kidner said, you have to be godly in order to be wise. You've got to know how to take the scriptures and apply them to life. That's wisdom. Right? That's knowing how to live. You've got to be godly in order to be wise. Jackie Hill Perry wrote a wonderful book called Gay Girl, Good God, The Story of Who I Was and Who God Has Always Been. She said this, her life was full of power in ways I never knew possible. How when unbelief came near, she faithfully turned scripture loose and captured and strangled it into submission to a higher will than her own. A gifted woman she was, but ungodly she was not. I have known many a person with glorious gifts and satanic lives. But this woman showed me that knowing God was more about knowing him and doing things for him 
But um, I'm sorry, knowing God was more than knowing him and doing things for him, but knowing him. Oh, that's so important. Here, these are, these are the things that Paul exhorts Timothy to do. Devote yourself to the teaching of the scriptures and live a godly life. They cannot be separated. They go together. This theme of pursuing godliness just absolutely permeates the entire passage. We, we looked at that at the very beginning, that there's this discipline and training. To train means to control oneself through discipline. Um, it is a, a difficult thing to train. You'll notice here that Paul does not say that bodily training has no value. It does have value. We could even say it has a lot of value. Um, however, um, there is a limit to bodily training. The far greater value is training in godliness. Godliness is living your life in a way that's pleasing to God and obedient to his word. Why? Because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There are great rewards to godliness. They're great. The rewards are great in this life. And the rewards are great in the life to come. Later, Paul is going to say that, say that godliness with contentment is great gain. The same cannot be said of bodily training. It's, it, is, it has a limited value. Um, it's important, but godliness is greater. Let me ask you this. Which are you training more for? It's, it's not really one or the other, right? The, the Bible doesn't, the Bible isn't uh, this Gnostic kind of thing. And Gnosticism says the body is bad and the spirit is good. It doesn't say, no, that it's not that. The body's good. Why? Because we're creating the image of God. We ought to take care of our bodies. We ought to train our bodies. It's a good thing. But it's saying, when you look back over your week, which have you trained for the most? Right? Because godliness has benefit in everything. In everything. Perhaps, though, you've noticed that our culture places a very, 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 very high value on bodily training and a very, very, very low value on godliness. Perhaps we are influenced more by silly myths than we think. Look how much our athletes are paid. And look how much our school teachers are paid. <laughs> our culture values the political opinions and ethical and philosophical opinions of athletes. It's not to say that what they do isn't amazing in many ways. It isn't to say that they didn't put in all of those hard hours of work to accomplish the things that they've accomplished. So we don't want to take credit away from them where, where credit is due, but it, it doesn't mean that um, they are the authority on ethical and philosophical and, and spiritual matters. The church in this way has to be radically countercultural. We have to place a high value on godliness and have more sober esteem for bodily training. So, so let me challenge you in this way. When you think about this week and your plans for this week, will godliness training 
Um, will your own personal godliness training and, uh, and family worship, that's a part of that, will that have m more space, more importance, higher priority than sports or Netflix or hunting or fishing or home projects or motorsports? Verse 9 says, this is a trustworthy saying, deserving of full acceptance. Right here, the church at Ephesus is being countercultural because they're, in essence, they're ripping off a, a cultural truth here. They're, they're, they're ripping off a statement that was, that was used, probably was, was placard at the local gymnasium. Every town had one. And, and the saying is, is this, for a bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise in the present life and the life to come. They, that, that probably in some form was, was placed over um, and used in the opposite way in the culture outside the church. And the church said, no, we're going to take that saying, and, and that's going to be placard over the church. Here, we train for godliness. We train for godliness. Um, yesterday, I sent out a text, and it asked, who is the best trainer? Right, so you had three choices. Mickey Goldmill, which I'm surprised. Having grown up in South Philly, so many of you did not know who this was. You know, it's Rocky's trainer. Come on now. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi or Bella Caroli. And so you chose the, the best trainer there. The survey says, Mr. Miyagi. Um, but you think about all of those individuals. What, what do they have in, in common? What do they have in common? Right? They, they are, this, this is what Paul is getting at as he writes to a pastor. Um, but it applies to households. Remember, the, the household of faith is made up of households. And so there needs to be leadership in those households. In fact, the training for pastors and elders is the house. And so there's application here. What, what kinds of training is happening in the church? What kinds of training is happening in the household? Right? So household training is what the church is built on. The church cannot build out what is not happening in the home. It's not the church's responsibility. And you go back to Scripture, and you can read that clearly. The church builds out what's happening in the home. Now, it is to command... And teach these things. But we need to raise up people who train. People who will, training it has this idea of repetition. It's a daily thing. Right? I've never been to the gym. I want to go to the gym where they say, okay, here's the weights. They're really light. And all you have to do is one rep once a week. I'm good. It doesn't happen. They get there and they say, here, 50 times. What? You know, you know my, my gym that I go to, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a lesson in humility for me personally. You know, because there are those that are older and look different than I do who like way outperform when I'm going to go hide in the corner <laughs> right it's you have to do it all the time why why are they better than well because they train 
They trained. Godliness, the same, it's the same principle. When you think about this, and we ask, like, who's the best trainer? Where do you rank as a trainer? Where do you rank in training for godliness? Are, are you training for godliness? Are you working hard at it? Are you striving to think and speak and act in ways that are pleasing to God and obedience to his word? Are you training for godliness with the kind of intensity that a runner trains for a marathon or a boxer trains for a fight? Does it have that kind of intensity? And there's a four in this passage. Did you catch that? Did you, did you catch that, that? The fact that there is this for, it says, or, or because for to this end, verse 10, we toil and strive because, a reason, we have set our hope on the living God. Okay, so it, it, it's the, the four works in two directions. One, it, it says, like, if someone has put their hope in the living God, there's going to be evidence in their life because they're doing what? They're training. And it works in another direction. The reason that this person is training is not because they think that they're really good, but they actually know that they're a sinner and they need the grace of God and that it comes through Jesus Christ alone. Right? We, we understand, like, when we talk about the gymnasium of training, do you even enter that gymnasium? No, the Bible says you're outside the door, dead in your trespasses and sin. It's God that makes you alive and then able now to train. And so when you understand that, you know, can, can you imagine this? Like, what if you were a person who had a terminal diagnosis last week and then was in a car accident and you lost all the ability of your faculties, your, your um, arms and legs and, you know, even mental faculties and like, you know, but your dream was to do this thing, to climb Mount Everest, right? And some whiz-bang of a doctor came in and said, well, I've got the solution. And then, you know, he does his work and all of a sudden, like, no longer your terminal and you have the use of all of your arms and legs and mental faculties, and you can climb Mount Everest. What do you say when you get to the top? I did it. I've arrived. What do you say every step of the way? What do we say as Christians as we train? Oh, but the grace of God in my life. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Why do I train? Because of, of gratitude for what Christ has done for me. That's what Paul is calling Timothy and he's calling us to do. But frankly, sometimes we do not progress in godliness because it's not about even training. We only try. <laughs> That's why I said I'm a good trier. But what we need to train, we need to train, not try. Oh, that didn't work. I, as a pastor, time and time again, you know, and um, I talked about doing counseling, and Nick can tell you this. You know, people will come to counseling, and, um, and you help them see a path forward. They even, they, they discover that path oftentimes through the words of, of Scripture and, and, and wisdom. And they say, yeah, this is the thing to do. And then they leave. And what happens? They try a little bit. 
And then they come back and say, yeah, that didn't work. Well, it's because you didn't train. Right? It, you didn't train. Now, I'm not saying that that happens in every case, in all things. But oftentimes that happens in our lives. We're far too complacent with our thoughts, words, and deeds. We have to train for godliness, brothers and sisters. Listen to Jerry Bridges again. He says, it is possible to be very orthodox in one's doctrine and very upright in one's behavior and still not be godly. Because many people are orthodox and upright, but they are not devoted to God. They're devoted to something else. They may be devoted to their orthodoxy, their standards of moral conduct, but oftentimes they're ultimately devoted to something else in their life. Verse 10 says this, For to this end we toil and strive because we have set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Toil means to engage in hard work and implies difficulties and trouble. Are you striving in this way? Uh, are, you, are you fighting that good fight or have you grown soft and complacent in a spiritual way? <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up because our time is, is done and we need to move to response this morning. You know, this passage is written to a pastor. I'm, I'm thankful for the pastors that we have here. Um, who train for godliness when you look at their, their lives and see um, godliness in, in their lives and what they're doing, that they have made sacrifices to train, to lead in their homes, and to lead our church. Um, I, I conferred with John Heaprink about this. Sorry, Mark, I didn't talk with you. Um, but I know this, and, and um, I asked John permission to share this, and he was very reluctant. You know, so we can see his life and what he does and what he does. And, and what you're going to see in your pastors is that we're, you know, we, we have our flaws, right? But I, I want you to know that these men are training in godliness. Just as Paul writes to Timothy and says, set an example, we're blessed here to have men who train in godliness. John Hebrinks passed up um, promotions And um, in order to give more time to his family, to that household, and time to, to, to this household, right? Like, he could be driving a lot nicer car and have a better house. And, and Mark is retired, and he spends a lot of his time, right? He's, his, he's trained up his family, and, and he spends a lot of his retirement, whereas they could be off in Arizona, soaking up the warm sun, but instead they're here in Michigan, loving on you guys. Right? Those are the kinds of coaches that we have. And they're faithful in laying it down for us. All right, so we have what the Bible says we need for life and godliness. We have that here. We have the word of God. We're faithfully holding out the truth. And we have leaders who are making sacrifices 
so that our people and our families hear and see the truth. We are blessed in this way. Do we have, do we have progress we need to make? Yes, absolutely. And we're going to continue in that. So picture this morning, as we go to response, picture in front of you a gymnasium. God's provided. You were dead, but the gospel has made you alive. And if you're here today without Christ, there is an invitation. The price has been paid. What kinds of tools are you picking up for training? What kind of program have you laid out seeing now that you have this new lease on life because of the grace of God? Do you have a coach? As the Bible said here, if you're training, people can see your progress. How about your character? What about your prayer life? The Bible calls us by grace and only by the grace of God to train, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Listen, this is not so that you and I can be better people. That's not the point in this passage. It's for the glory of God, but even as the focus was, Timothy, watch your life in doctrine so that you will save yourself, what? And those around you. That's the way this good news always works. You and I are the channel of God's grace. We're not here this morning for ourselves. We're here for those that are in the room, and all of us are in the room and at home for those who are not in the room, right? We're here for our community. We're here to love and make known the glory and grace of Jesus. That's what he's called us to. But if we're going to do that and do that well, we have to discipline ourselves, train for the purpose of godliness. We're going to give you the, the next few moments before we come to the table of communion to respond. There's the, um, the, the Northbridge app, and you can go to www.northbridge.me. Please leave a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. If we can help you become disciplined in your training, um, if you need some counseling, that's all that is. Like if you need, you know, to say, hey, this is my life. This is what's happening in my life, and I, I need some help. I'm stuck. Like, we're working together as a community to provide those kinds of tools so we can help you and your family move forward. Why? Well, because of God's great gift and because of the promise here in this passage that it's of great benefit in all of your life and it's of great benefit for God's glory and for your joy in this life and in the life to come. That's why we lay this down, command and teach, because we love you, because God loves you. Let's respond today to the teaching of the word of God together. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. There's so much more here that we could say. I pray that the conversations in the homes and cars and um, at bedtime, in the morning, um, in our families, that, that you will give us the wisdom to apply this, the discipline we need um, in our lives. We know what it's like to be disciplined when it comes to vocation and athletics and 
um, other things would help us to take those same principles as we see here applied in the word of God to our walk with you. And the Lord help us to, to reap the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, which is love. Love for you and love for one another um, that we might see our church and our families and our community flourish and thrive. All for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.